Hi, and welcome to I See You Mama, a podcast where we talk mom to mom about the things that matter to us. I'm your host, Ariana Evans, and this is a special guest. This is my daughter, who, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Cora Evans. Yep, and you're how old? Ten. And my listeners have heard a lot about you, because I talk about you, because you're my favorite Cora in the whole world. (laughs) And um, so this is extra special that you get to come on my show. And um, Cora said she wanted to give me feedback. She's never listened to the... Have you ever listened to the podcast? Um, not really, but I've heard you recording it with your friends. That's true, but usually you're gone. I don't think... I think you've only been here for one. Or you've heard me edit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Cora would like to give me feedback on the podcast. Actually, what what was your topic you want to talk about? Um, how parents could improve their skills in the eyes of a kid. Okay. Well, do you have some talking points? Do you want to... Is there a list? Um, well, I would start out with how kids feel about consequences. Okay. Let's, let's so, hit that. when you use, like... When you use, like, punishments, like taking away things that kids like, it'll usually... Well, I'm speaking in the experience of 10 years. It will most of the time inspire bad feelings and encourage the kid to be grumpier and sometimes naughtier. Okay. So maybe use gentler punishments and try explaining how they what why they didn't why they should not do that instead of resorting to consequences. Okay. Well, I think that's fair. I think uh, most parents have given their kids a lot of chances to do what's right. For example, uh, how many millions of times have I asked you guys not to smear toothpaste all over the counter in the upstairs bathroom? I haven't done that since the age of eight. Okay, but you don't have to be defensive about it. I'm just saying, like, I've said it a million times, right? Mm-hmm. But... Like, this morning, I went up there to brush my teeth, and it was gross. So, from a parent's point of view, I've said it a million times. I mean, maybe not a million, but, like, at least a hundred thousand. Yeah. Or a thousand. I mean, maybe, like, a thousand times I've said it. And it still is gross. So, what, what do you think I'm supposed to do? Uh, well... Say it one more time. Say it again. Say no. it a million times. Say it a million one times. No. Because that makes me tired and cranky. What I think you should do is, like, explain how it feels. Like, should ask them to stick their finger in the biggest pile of goop you can find and ask them how it feels. Okay. And ask them if they would like to feel like that every single time they go in the bathroom. Okay, but here, okay, that's a good idea to, like, you know, give them some experience. So, but here's a question. So, your brothers and our dear listeners who have sons will relate. Your brothers pee all over the toilet seat. I know. It's disgusting, as you used to say when you were little. It's disgusting. (laughs) 
which is the cutest little disgusting word ever. So I've said, I don't know, maybe like a thousand and forty-five times, lift the seat, don't pee on the seat. And now we're to the point where I give them consequences because I hate sitting in pee. It's gross. Uh-huh. So, but wait, wait. So consequences for them, but none for you? So no. do I, like, make your brother sit in the pee? <laughs> <laughs> that or, would probably be a good idea. I don't know. I don't know that he would care. He'd be like, I'll just wipe it off. It's fine. <laughs> so the consequence for peeing all over the toilet is having to be on um, toilet cleaning duty. You think that's not a fair consequence? It is fair. Okay. Because... But the consequence for for spreading toothpaste goo all over the... T- t- what am I saying? All over the countertop is having to clean the countertop. Do you not, not think that's a fair consequence? I think that is a fair consequence. Okay, so what are the consequences you think are not fair? Well, like, if I stay up really late reading, if I'm at the exact climax of the book, and then you confiscating my book. I think that's fair. I mean, you're doing not, like, it's midnight, and you got to go to school in the morning, and you're like, I don't know what I'm reading. When have I, mean, I ever stayed up till midnight? Uh, when you're in a really good book. Okay, maybe not midnight, but at least 11.30. I lose track of time. Uh, granted, I mean, books are amazing. I've been through the same thing. But I also, my mom would come and take away my books when I stayed up too late. And then I was uber cranky the next morning. So what do you think is a fair consequence? Well, kind of limiting their book supply, like taking away some of the books that they. So I can take away your books. The books that I'm not (laughs) reading. But that wouldn't be like that. Wouldn't really get the message across, would it? Because the book that you stayed up late reading. I mean, I hear what you're saying. You want better consequences or more fair consequences for doing goofy stuff but in parents defense i have to say this when our job as parents is to teach you how to be in the world so like when you grow up if you stay up like i did really late one night reading all of book six harry potter because it came out and i stayed up till three and then finally like fell asleep and then Woke up really early and started reading the whole next thing and then went to a cafe and kept reading while I drank a cup of coffee because I was really tired. So my consequence was nothing for that because I was grown, but also I did it on the weekend when I didn't have school in the morning and I didn't have work in the morning. So I didn't have to pay the natural consequence. So me taking away your books, it's kind of like, well... If I don't, you'll have a natural consequence in the morning of being really cranky and maybe late to school. What do you think about all that? So you should get like a consequence if you're doing it on purpose to disobey. So like if you know it's almost 10 o'clock but you're still reading. Well, it's really hard for parents to know what's on purpose and what's not. Because kids, to avoid getting in trouble... 
don't tell the truth a lot a lot a lot do you ever know do you ever do that sometimes (laughs) we both know the answer i can see you that's true (laughs) hiding behind the microphone will not save you (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying if it's like an inadvertent thing and you don't mean to that you shouldn't have a consequence that you should just have a natural consequence mm-hmm. well i mean let's 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 ramp that up a little bit say okay for example i'm grown up and i'm driving my car and um let's say my drink spills in my lap and i go ah and it's really cold and i freak out a little bit and when i do that i swerve and I run over somebody's dog and kill it. Which sounds horrible when I say it out loud. But, or what if it was a human? I ran over another human and hurt them. And there there are no natural consequences for that. But there's laws that say I'm responsible because... If I'm a nice person, I'll say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, whatever I can do to help and pay for your medical bills and blah, blah, blah. But if I'm like a person who's like, "Mm, if you're not going to make me, I'm not going to do it. There are those people out there who there's no sort of, the word is impetus. There's no one sort of pressing on them to make them do the right thing, either internally or externally. And so they do what they want. So... Instead, I don't want to raise those kind of humans. Humans who are like, I mean, whatever. As long as I don't get caught, it's fine. Right? Right. So, it's a hard road to walk. I don't like giving consequences. I think they kind of suck. That's the kid's point of view, too. Yeah. But I think that's the parent's point of view, too. Is We want you to be happy and healthy and strong and make good choices and I think having to teach you to make good choices, sometimes you have to, it has to be not physically painful, but like it has to be uncomfortable. You can't make all that noise while we're recording. <laughs> scooty, scooty. It has to be uncomfortable or you won't stop, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I never took away your books, would you stay up reading every night? Uh, yeah. I mean. They're books. They're bo- they're fa- I, that's how I feel about books, too. They're fabulous. So, I don't know. I see it from both ways. I see, I mean, I used to be a kid, and I thought consequences were the pits. I mean, I understand your point of view, and I understand, but it's, like, my job as the grown-up is that I can see things that are coming that you haven't seen yet. Like, I've been 10 already. You've never been 10 and a half. I've been 11 already. You've never been 11. I've been 12, 14, 24, 40. I've been all those ages. And I learned some things along the way. And hopefully, if I'm doing a good job as a mom, like, I'm teaching you some of the things that I've learned. Some of the things you just got to kind of learn by getting bumped and bruised along the way which really 
it's hard to watch as a mama. I don't like to see you struggle. I want you to have good good feelings only, but I also know that that's not a good way to learn. Here's an example. Okay, give so me an example. one time, I heard of a mountain moss that grew inside of a cave, and it was rough and scratchy and a really ugly color. Mm-hmm. But the moss on top of the mountain was a soft burn green, and and it was lush and comfortable. Okay. And I think that the moral is that weathering makes a person more beautiful on the inside. So, wait. Are you saying that I should let life and consequences weather you? To make you more beautiful on the inside? Or what if I what if nothing ever teaches you big life lessons and you just grow up to be a total jerk face? That would be the moss inside the cave. But what teaches you the con- what teaches you the life lessons? Well, having natural consequences and if we do something bad, it'll usually get a consequence. But maybe not too much, or you might get blown away, because that can also happen to moss. This is a very interesting analogy for moss. Moss can be very interesting. Is this the moss of your soul? Is your soul the moss? I guess you can look at it that way. Because <laughs> you're, uh, yeah, because, all right, so that's a good, that's a good first point which I hear what you're saying and I understand and I hear Peter <laughs> making noise in the background <laughs> um, I hear what you're saying and I understand I don't know that I can necessarily change the way I'm parenting based on your opinions but I hear you so what's your next point um, I once read in a book that if you're teaching by feelings, bad f- negative feelings, which some parents actually do, there was this interesting, that? well, not really, <laughs> and it was this, and it was this, it was this statement that said, girls learn by fear, boys learn by shame. Oh, what book did you read that in? Uh, it was a cool book I found. What was it called? Um, Parenting. Parenting what? Parenting Kids. What was this book called? I can't exactly remember. (laughs) Remember. Was it it a library book or a book that, like, we have at the house? At the house. Okay. So girls learn by fear, boys learn by shame. And... Which I disagree with. Well, I've heard about some parents who will shame or scare their children into doing what they want. Yes. Like, I once heard this story about a father who decided to make his son the best, and he did that by shaming him whenever he did something wrong. Okay. Did it work? Nope, the boy was just really grumpy, and... A hooligan? No, he was just full of self-doubt. Where are you reading these parenting tips? I need this book. 
Okay, so I think what you're talking about, like that, that um, girls, one of the ways that they default, not necessarily the way they learn best, is girls, their first reaction is fear when something's wrong or bad. And boys, not across the board for both genders, but there's some scientific backup for this book that I, that I also read, and I'm surprised you read. And I think it was called Why Gender Matters by, I'll have to look it up. Um, but that, uh, not always, but sort of like, um, on the whole, if you looked at like the average, girls respond to bad things with fear. Boys respond with bad, to bad things with shame. And I think that's right. But neither of those are a good motivation. I think you're right in that. Like, they're mm-hmm. not... Shame is not a motivator and fear is not a motivator. Sometimes when Papa yells, I think... Oh, are we going to tell Papa's business on the podcast? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes when he yells, it's so loud and scary that I'll just feel like... Like I'm made out of stone. Yeah. And it just tense up, and it just doesn't feel good. Do you feel like it makes you want to do the right thing? Nope. Mostly it just makes me scared, sad, and grumpy and mad. I mean, I can understand that. I would feel that way, too. Okay. So, we've talked about how, like, kids should have less consequences. And the second point was... Like... Negative feelings motivators. Not using negative feelings as a motivator, mm-hmm. right? And what's your third? Do you have a third point? Well, I was thinking sort of the best way to get your kids a be- a good motivator is to, like, have some encouragement, but also point out the things that they can make better in a kind way. I don't think I do that very well all the time. I think I do it sometimes. 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 You're just throwing me under the bus. You're supposed <laughs> to be like, no, Mom, you're the best. You do it right all the time, which we both know isn't true. But, like, our listeners all over the world don't know that. They don't know I'm a terrible mom. You're not a terrible mom. <laughs> I mean, just like You just a, make mistakes. Like everybody. I, well, thanks, kiddo. So, all right, wait. First point was better consequences. That mm-hmm. So use natural consequences. Second point is don't use negatives as a motivator. Third point was, remind me. Um, how you could, like, get better motivators. Like, you add in some encouragement. Like, that was really good, but you could also try doing this to make it better. Right, so like using that. encouraging motivators to help kids make better choices. So you're saying for your third point, which is using positive motivators to change behavior. You think that it would work for everybody. Even like the rowdiest, don't say their names, the rowdiest kids in the fourth grade. Kids who like have to go to the principal all the time. Do you think positive motivators are a good tool? Yes, but, like, for the kids who actually enjoy doing bad stuff, 
Ooh, are there kids like that? One kid. Oh, don't say their name. Don't give me the big eyes. I think we both know who it is. He's a kind of disruptive kid in your class. Yeah, he actually... In the fourth grade. Yes, he enjoys it because he thinks it's funny to see everybody's reactions. Ooh. So you don't think that positive motivators would be helpful for a kid like that? Well, they would... But you could also try some more strict and firm stuff. Oh, but but you said those were not good. Well, if a kid is, like, tackling another kid for no reason in class. Then you might need some stricter yeah. rules. Okay. Fair point. Don't tattle. I can still hear you on the mic. <laughs> Come back over here and face the mic. So, okay, do you have another point, another talking point? Well, no, except for one. Okay, is this a conclusion or a a number four? It's about outside time and TV in comparison. Okay. Well, I think TV is good, but like watching four hours of TV a day. That's really bad because TV actually limits your imaginative power. Your imaginative power? Yes, and it makes you less active. And also, I noticed that schools have a rapidly declining recess and a lot more time taking tests and sitting down. Boo, I don't like that. Did you know that an average fourth and third grader has about 24 hours of testing every year? Yuck. That's a and lot. The, and the suggested time is two hours a year. Oh, per year? Mm-hmm. You have 24. Where are you getting your statistics from? I want to know where these come a from. A lot of different books. What? <laughs> I need a source. Can you cite a source for me? Um, well. Vice the microphone. There was this bit in, in the back of a book. I can't remember. But it was interviewing about tests. Tests because there was an author, author, who thought it was really important to write like funny books about things that kids care about, not like or love, but care about. Okay, so that's your source. Mm-hmm. It was a book you read once that you don't remember what it's called. Yeah. Okay, so I. Okay, we should always question. And have really good sources when we talk about statistics. And recesses are actually only 15 minutes. That I know. Well, at your school. It varies from school to school. Yes, but they still have very small recesses. You know in middle school there is no recess? At your middle school? Mm-hmm. There, I haven't heard about a recess at your middle school. It's not called recess. It's called free time or break. Okay. How long does it last? Um, about 30, 35 minutes. Really? Well, I'm not sure, but somewhere in the 30s to 25. We should definitely look this up before you go in the fall Mm -hmm. at your middle school. I can't believe you're going to middle school. You're only going into the fifth grade. This is so squirrely. How do you feel about middle school? Excited, but a little bit nervous. I've read a lot of books, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Dork Diaries, 
from the Journal of Max Crumbly, stuff like that. Do you think fiction gives you a clearer picture of what middle school will be like? Or do you think it gives you sort of like a skewed vision, like maybe sort of like a more intense characterized vision of what middle school will be like? Mm-hmm. Which one? Well, Reality or like a character, a character, character, what's the word? Characterization. Characterization of middle school. Well, I think that like some middle schools where things are really competitive, those could be improved in a lot of ways. Right. Wait, wait, wait. But do the books you read, do you feel like they give you a good picture of what's coming up in middle school? Well, not really, but they do present some of the challenges. And some of the books that I've read are actually based on facts. Really? Mm-hmm. Like how it is to be a middle schooler competitive. Okay. So how do you feel like you'll do in middle school? Pretty good. Yeah? Are you excited? Yeah. Are you ready? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think that's wise. I'm never ready for new things. But we face the challenge, don't we? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what I wanted to say today? Watching you. So today, listeners, my daughter Cora was in the fourth grade talent show. And she and I both knew that she hit a part. She was playing a piano piece called the Bagpiper's March, which she had practiced at our house 100 million times. <laughs> We've heard it all. <laughs> and then you got up there and you played. And I saw you hit a point where your brain kind of went and fritzed out for a minute. And I saw this sort of look of like, oh no, cross across your face. And you took a breath and you kept on playing and you got all the way to the end and you didn't stop and you didn't cry and you didn't freak out and you didn't go this is dumb and you didn't stomp off the stage you just took a breath and found your place again and kept playing and then at the end you smiled this huge beautiful smile and I was like oh my girl I'm so proud of you (laughs) that was a big thing to conquer to ha- to play a piece that you know frontwards and backwards and still come to a part where your brain kind of goes what what are we doing and then you kept on going i was really proud of you that was amazing i hear screaming i hear your brothers in some kerfuffle in the yard again i think that's not a like nobody's dying it's just the screams of Eight and six year olds being wild in the backyard. What do you think? Fighting over a swing. We have two swings. Why is there a fight? Because they each have a favorite. What's your favorite? The she one did favorite rope. with bunny ears. So you couldn't see them. Air quotes. They're not bunny ears. They're bunny mama. ears. <laughs> They're called air quotes. Yes, I know. But they look like bunny ears. With big, sharp, pointed teeth. No, that's a joke you don't know yet. So what's your favorite one? The rope and the log? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it goes in circles, or why? 
Because, well, it's not as restrained as the other two swings. And it actually feels like I'm flying. Wait, how did we get on the topic of swings? The boys out there screaming over the swings. Well, Cora, this has been a fascinating talk. And I I hear a lot of what you're saying. I, uh, some of your sources are questionable at best. But we can look those up together and find them and read what they do say. Because I think there's valuable things to be learned from you little people. It's been a long time since I was 10. I do remember it pretty clearly because it was an important year for me. But it's been a long time since I was 10. So it's important to hear what you have to say too. And um, thank you for coming on my podcast. Okay. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. I'm really glad that you came. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. Um, This has been I See You, Mama, and I see you out there doing the work of parenthood. And um, though my guest this week wasn't a mom, um, it was really special for me to get to have my daughter come on the show and talk about her thoughts. So, for those of you who are out there listening, I appreciate you, and I see you, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.